You're now listening to Cinco Squad. Yeah, well, you'll hear, you'll my, hear about what that. What did you say when it happened, though? What I say when it happened? Yeah, you didn't. I do was your like, signature. oh, I, which signature? It's a. Um, oh, um, what do you mean? Fumble! No, I didn't because at the time I didn't think it was a fumble because I was yeah. under the impression that the, the ground could not cause a fumble. But apparently there are situations now where the ground can cause a fumble. Look, we, we call it delay of fumble penalty on Mike for not proclaiming the actual fumble that took place during the action. No, because I, but I'm not going to call it out if I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> Hey, Tommy Cutlet, how you doing? What's going on, everyone? This is Cinco Squad. My name is Jonathan Sword with me and my brother's Trade. Grandpa Jay. And then we got Mikey Cutcliffs, not Mikey Cutlets. Forget about it. Cutcliffs. Yeah. Because he's the Cutclip Master. What's going on, fellas? Happy one week show until uh, Christmas. So, yes. I hope you guys are doing well. How was your sports weekend last weekend? It was good. The Bucks won. The Giants won. Liverpool my cousin Tommy DeVito's out there. My, my cousin. My cousin Tommy. <laughs> cousin Tommy. Tommy. My cousin Big Tommy. Big everyone, Tommy everyone in the Syracuse chats have, has been like, where the fuck was this at Syracuse? Like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. I'm, I would imagine the Illinois chats are roughly the same. Yeah. I, I think I read somewhere that it was like, Brian Dable's scared of pulling Tommy because of the 70 million Italian Americans. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, he I he's can't pull. by force. I, I love his post game post game conference with that. He's just like, What well, what'd you say to Tommy? And he's like, I just told him you'll let that son bitch go. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> I love that mentalities. Oh, hundred percent. That must I'm, be your, that's your quarterback of the future, Mike. That's your Brock Thank Purdy. You. Looks like it. And, Actually, uh, yeah. I think the, the other point was more like he, he's saving your dream boy's backside right now because it means they might not go fishing for a quarterback early in the first round because they feel like they have a solid backup. So it might actually save Danny Dimes' job. Yeah, I mean, like Trey always alludes to, and we always allude to, it's not a bad thing to have a good backup. It's yeah. never a bad thing to have someone in there that you know if someone gets hurt, and especially as we keep extending games – you're gonna you're gonna have that opportunity, and I mean he's been playing well. It's not like he's been lighting the scoreboard up that too, right? He's been doing he's been doing exactly what you expect out of your backup. Yeah. Manage the game, don't turn the ball over, give it to your skill position, let go. Mm-hmm. But Mike, I gotta ask you something. Hmm. Are you guys going to address the monster that's in MetLife? What in the world happened to Saquon? He had a 30-yard gap between people, and he just – Turf monster gotcha. <laughs> well, yeah, so <laughs> – Oh, shit. He got hit by – so, okay, what happened on that play was he got hit by a Packers player, started stumbling and falling over. He regained his balance, and then, yes, the turf monster that previously got Danny Daniel Jones two years ago <laughs> after the 80-yard run was like, oh, well – Oh, another giant that wants to get on a good run? Nope. Ah. Oh, a giant's <laughs> up in the open field? Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. And then he fumbles. Uh, uh. Yeah, I, um, well, I have some things to say about that. Uh, 
But yeah, we'll, we'll hear about that later. Yeah, well, you'll hear, you'll Mike, hear about what that. What did you say when it happened, though? What I say when it happened? Yeah, you didn't. I do was your like, signature? oh, I, no, at the time, at the t- which signature? It's a Oh, you mean? No, I didn't here. because at the time I didn't think it was a fumble because I was yeah. under the impression that the, the ground could not cause a fumble. But apparently there are situations now where the ground can cause a fumble. Look, we, we call it delay of fumble penalty on Mike for not proclaiming the actual fumble that took place during the action. No, because I, but I'm not going to call it out if I don't think it's a thing. Well, now you're not I'm, the, I'm, you, well, you're not the only team that had the yips this weekend because mm-hmm. oh, I know. Apparently, I, apparently, I, apparently, they just greased the ball, and the balls. All of our skill players decided to like, yep, yeah, there we go. And that's the biggest thing in that game is I kept saying to people is like, what positive do I have to take out of that game? In when they did fumble, it was inside the red zone. Now yeah. that's bad, right? But that means they were moving the ball down the field. And that's that's the one negative, but that's a positive in my my mind. And they held them to nine points in the second half. But Devontae and AJ also probably dropped at least two or three each. Well, AJ on the on the on the fumble after his after that he he dropped something that he never drops. Right, mm-hmm. Devontae mm-hmm. dropped, but Devontae I'll give him a little Devontae's bit. Of a more like diving catches. So. But but no, he's been getting his ass kicked, and Jalen's mm-hmm. been setting him up for ass kicking. And he's the toughest receiver in the league, hands down. He takes the br- most brutal hits. He's the toughest receiver in the league. I would, 100%. Say, I would say Debo is. But... I would say Debo. Yeah. Nah, fuck Debo. I would say Jalen Hyatt. You would say fuck Debo. Debo's running, up the, Debo's running that shit hey. up the fucking middle. But... Can they take me Hyatt? No. Can't. No, exactly. No, they can't. can't. So. All right, crazy golf heads. Shack it golf. That's the place for all your gear. Cinco Squad, you got a 15% discount. That's one five, 15%. I know you guys need some new gear coming up. You know, there's always a reason to swag your bag out more. So head over to Shankit Golf and get yourself something so you look fly in the golf course this winter. I mean, that's basically if you live in Florida or you got to fly down to Florida to play golf. So Shankit Golf, get you all swagged out. Cinco Squad, 50% discount. That's 15% discount, Cinco Squad. Listen up. It's never too early to get fresh. We got a promotion here. It's done with a group called Fans Idea. They make dope jerseys, just like this one you see right here. You can customize the jerseys, get your own type of logo, maybe do something for the family, for a family reunion. Just get fresh. They do jerseys, hats, T-shirts, shirts, whatever you need, they got it. That's where you need to go. But use that Cinco Squad link, Cinco Squad 10. It'll get you 10% off, so go ahead. Click that link. All right, everyone, and as you guys know, this past weekend I attended the Orange Bowl Classic, which was amazing. Sat behind some NBA scouts, or sat in front of some NBA scouts. Um, really got to you know see how the players interact. How you know it's just a really cool environment. Mike and I have been around media credentials. Jamie's been back behind the scenes, same with Trey. It's a real cool environment to see behind the scenes what the players do before the games, those type of things. How the whole thing kind of comes together. Um, I, I I thought that was really awesome. Uh, and thank you to the Orange Bowl uh, for allowing us to be there. Uh, we got a lot of great coverage, and and I got a lot of good videos. Tune into our socials. I'm going to be dropping more interviews from there. One thing I noticed is that Leonard Hamilton's the only coach with a, his own private detail. Well, he's been around for a hot minute, so mm-hmm. he's earned it. He was not happy about the transfer portal, too, Ooh. which we'll get into later. But um, – mm-hmm. The transfer portal, but let's let's roll it in. Let's get Mikey on on the screen. Mikey, take us away with what's on your mind. 
Okay, so I've been hanging on to this one for a little while, and being that we've had some big uh, moves in the world of baseball recently, I thought it was a good time to to take this one out of uh, stasis, yeah, out of my storage. So a little bit of a Yankee fact for you. Don Mattingly, Donnie Baseball, one of a fan favorite in uh, Yankee history, set the single-season Grand Slam record with six Grand Slams in 1987. Very impressive. Like it, it, it was, I've seen highlights of it. It was amazing. Thing is, those are the only six Grand Slams he ever hit. In his surprising. Yeah, in his, I think, 12 to 13-year minimum career, he never hit another Grand Slam before that or after. And the reason why that's surprising is because he's a left, left-handed hitter in Yankee, Yankee Stadium, right. short porch with the bases yeah. loaded. But, I mean, he was never really a long ball hitter. He was always just a contact hitter. No, but being that if you get six in a year, you'd think he'd get an- yeah. another one somewhere else that's in true. the next decade. What I didn't but, know is he wasn't the he wasn't the captain. He was never a captain. No, but he acted like it. But he was never mm-hmm. officially named captain because George was very hesitant to ever name a captain after Munson until he met Jeter. Mm-hmm. And Jeter and he made Jeter prove it. Jeter wasn't officially captain until I think like the mid two thousands. Yeah, like two thousand one. Yeah, so Jeter played for almost a decade before he was named captain so yeah it was but yeah donnie baseball grand single season grand slam leader then not anywhere near the career i don't believe <laughs> wow that's <laughs> incredible yes but you know what else is incredible jamie's locks of the week jay take it away yes sir bring it in bring it in so guys last week it was looking very promising even though that first half of that pacers game looked as if they were gonna they were gonna stall out wasn't too <laughs> sure what milwaukee was doing in the first half we under their scoring rate, but boom, here comes 73 points in the third quarter. I'm like, we're on our way. And then they go two for 18 in the fourth quarter from downtown. And the over doesn't hit. However, thank you very much, Marquette. And thank you very much, Los Angeles Rams, for covering. So two for one last week and really just a blunder in the in the special teams. You kind of hate seeing it. Blocking the back, not called. And the Ravens go ahead and win that game on special teams, and the Rams probably deserve to win it. But, hey, it was a win, so hopefully you guys bet the weekend stuff. You didn't bet Friday night because you're like, this guy's crazy for calling the over a 255, but it would have hit if the Bucks and Pacers were hitting from downtown. So we move on to this week, and we're putting three locks out there that you guys have to get your hands on. You know how I like to do it. I give you a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday, so every day you can call yourself a winner. So Friday night, Spurs right now. On a 17-game losing streak, it will be 18 after the Lakers beat them tonight. However, I'm saying that the 18-game skid ends on Friday night. The Lakers have played way too much basketball in the last two weeks at a very high level. I think Pop rips them to shreds tonight. And somehow, someway, the Spurs find a way to beat the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday night in San Antonio. Very weird back-to-back. Lakers staying in San Antonio over the next three days. They're going to host them again on Friday night. So take the Spurs to beat the Lakers and end this 18-game skid because something has to give. On Saturday, nighttime cap. We got the NFL starting on Saturdays because college football is no longer on Saturday. And who's rolling into Detroit? It is the Denver Broncos. And no team is playing, or I, I say some teams are, but I dare to challenge that Denver might be playing the best football 
in the entire National Football League on both sides of the ball. What has Detroit done? Detroit has stuck up the spot for the last three weeks. I do not think they cover four, so I'm taking Denver plus four on the road at Detroit. I actually think Detroit squeaks this one out by one. Going to be a, a really thrilling finish to this game. And then, you know, I got to go across to the pond because it is the Northwest Derby, and they say the Cardinals sin is to bet on your own team, but fuck that. Liverpool over Man United because fuck Man U. We don't like Man U around here. Nobody likes Man U, so take my boys Liverpool. We finally jumped up to the top of the table. They're playing great football right now, and Man, Man U is not. It is in Liverpool, and I expect Liverpool to win this one by at least two goals and pose a shutout. Man, you always finds a way to play us well, but we are going to make sure that we do not give up any points this weekend. Liverpool all the way, baby. So three locks of the week. You got to take them. Here's your lock on Friday night. San Antonio Spurs with the big upset over the Los Angeles Lakers. Take San Antonio to win outright. Then on Saturday night, NFL football is back on Saturday. And I love the Denver Broncos at plus four in Detroit because I don't know what Detroit is doing right now, but it does not look like the kind of football that's going to win you a game in the playoffs. Follow us a regular season game. And then to cap it off on Sunday morning at 1130, my Liverpool, my Liverpool football club team in first place will hold on to that first place spot and they will take care of business against Manchester United in the Northwest Derby. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are your locks of the week. So one of y'all gonna punch this motherfucker in the mouth for what? I'm getting tired of Draymond Green. Y'all out here having this man go out here and play tough, fake tough guy? We already seen what happened in the past. Brad Beal hemmed him up. Do you know what happened when Brad Beal hemmed him up? Go back and watch the video. The coach is kind of holding Draymond back, but Draymond's not really trying to rest in there. Draymond really didn't want that smoke. My man's out here kicking people in the balls one week. I hear he admittedly saying, I'm flailing, trying to get a call while he's out here hitting uh, Nurkic. This is what he does. And especially as he's starting to get older and losing the stuff, what he got right now is playing the tough, fake tough guy. And I'm not saying that Draymond isn't tough at all, but what I'm saying is this is one of those rare moments where you'll hear me say it, but we need that 80s basketball where somebody just goes in and says, fuck this shit, I'm punching this dude in the mouth, and I'm going to call this fucking blood on him and see if he actually does something because the truth is most likely he's not going to do something he's going to hurt his team if he does something and this is why somebody has to call his bluff right now he's suspended indefinitely and that is what it is if the warriors are starting to implode i really do think draymond knows how to control himself but he knows what he can get away with and who he can get away with it so like i said somebody punch that motherfucker in the mouth i think i was the champion last week by the way um in our picks i have to, yes. I have to celebrate that in some way Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm bottom of the league in our fantasy, bottom of the league a year, like in our, in our single squad championship. I picked the Lakers against the Pacers. So, um, congratulations, Trey, on your inaugural yes. championship yes. ring. You very, very. I got to give you props because I didn't give you enough props and I should have done that in my round of the week. So, yeah, big congrats. You got to start jumping in on me and give me some of your advice. Yeah, you know, okay, and take the opposite. <laughs> well, speaking about stupid contracts, Shohei Otani gets a 700 million 10 year contract for the LA Dodgers. Unbelievable! I can't believe that dude is going to be raking it in for a while. Brings up our first topic of the week, which is, is uh. Are players really worth their contract? Like, are, are some players really worth their contract? We see all these, like, longevity contracts, six, seven years, especially with NFL players, NBA players having long – well, NBA players, I think, you know, are shorter. But are players really worth their contract? Grandpa Jay's got a 
What kind of space? What do you think? And th- this is such a, a tiered question in terms of how you look at it, right? Because mm-hmm. you kind of have to look at, at the impact that that player may have had over the years on the sport and whether or not they have a global impact. So I got three tiers for this. I think that every ridiculously exorbitant contract in soccer, as you guys like to say here, is kind of worth what it's worth. So if we really look at a contract value, we have to look at it from three standpoints. That's why I say it's three tier. You look at the total of the contract, you look at the average the player is supposed to make per year, and then you look at the average they're supposed to make per game. So the reason why I said that, you know, the stalwarts who are really standing out now in the name of the game, the top five right now in sports are Shohei Otani with his giant $700 million contract. Then Lionel Messi signed his $674 million contract a couple of years ago in Barcelona. He was on top until Shohei did this. So that was the biggest one ever. Then we got Cristiano Ronaldo signing a $536 million deal. That's only two and a half years. Pat Patty Mahomes at his 450, and then Kareem Benzema on a two-year $436 million contract, which amounts to $7 million, $7.1 million per game. So are those guys worth it? Well, they're all pretty much at the top of their sport doing everything they can, not just to make their clubs win, but their countries compete in international games to win World Cups and really at the pinnacle of their sport. So you're saying, do they deserve that kind of money? Well, yeah, because... They're the biggest names in their respective games. But as we search down the list, you kind of start to see that there are some reaches that just make no sense. And maybe they had one lucky season that made a GM or an owner believe that, hey, this guy can give us everything we want. I think you guys might know a name I'm going to call out here. And they play for the same team, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. Do they deserve to be paid $350 million dollars? and make somewhere upwards of about $31 million a year for Manny and 24 for Fernando Tatis? Absolutely not. And take it over to boxing ring, right? As I'm in Trey might know, did you guys know that Canelo Alvarez is pretty much on a $365 million contract? He's only fighting, that's about 12 years. He's fighting one big fight a year. Mathematically, what does that mean? This guy is clocking in at a ridiculous $73 million per fight. I mean, how can one person be worth that much? I don't know what you bring to the table to say we're going to give you $33 million for one given fight. So this kind of like, you know, I got to look at it both ways. Is it your value per game, your value per year or per fight or whatever you're doing on your overall contract? Well, I think some of the big hitters are definitely worth that big hitting contract. I don't think some people are worth their yearly value in terms of what they bring to the actual sport. Uh, just to kind of blow you guys' mind, I said, of course, he's the one making the most annually per event, where he's at $33 million per event. We got Ronaldo Benzema at $7.1 million per per match that they play, which is kind of ridiculous. And believe it or not, the most paid American football player per game is my guy, Joe Cool, at $3.2 million. And you know I got to say my guy is 100% worth it because – Joe Cool's the ticket, baby. So you got to look at it. Three tears is the way I see it. And most most guys that you go down on the list are going to be totally overvalued. I just think owners has gone absolutely crazy right now. The dollar value is absolutely nuts. I think TV contracts are probably making them feel like just throw the damn money out there because they're going to pay us more year after year. Trey, well, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, that's why they're worth it because at the end of the day, the owners can afford to do this. At the, at the end of the day, I've never been in the business of, Let's stop these billionaires and save them money. 
if these billionaires got like that, why shouldn't the regular people be able to make it? I'm doing the fucking work. You're just seeing your ass when they're cutting the check. Why shouldn't? How many times do we sit here and we go to our own personal jobs and be like, damn, I'm busting my ass. Meanwhile, some dude at the top is sitting there, you know, collecting all the money and not doing any work. I'm doing the work. Why don't I deserve this? I'm the reason you're selling jerseys. I'm the reason you got these ridiculous TV contracts. I'm the reason why you're filling this stadium. I'm the reason why you are making money. So you damn right. Why shouldn't no tiny get 700 million? Shit, as far as I'm concerned, get a motherfucker a billion because they have to print money at the Guggenheimer Group out there in L.A. right now. So why not? If you're LeBron, the value LeBron brought to the city of Cleveland when he was in Cleveland was ridiculous. When he left, the economy started to die. When he came back downtown, started booming. They went out there and they re- the flat started looking like crazy nice. Casinos started getting built and money started going. More people were working. Streets started getting paid. All types of things started happening. So, yeah, some of these people, I don't get me wrong, for every time there's a Manny Machado or somebody like that is making too much where it's like, okay, he's not earning the contract. But if somebody's going to pay the guy, why not? Because people are getting paid every day in America and around the world who aren't really worth what they're actually making. So everybody always goes to the it's the athletes and they're just throwing the football. Okay, and what makes you CEO boss who just occasionally shows up to work, goes out to golf, worth more than dudes actually working on the assembly line at Ford or Chrysler or one of these places? Mm-hmm. You're not doing shit. Like some half of you motherfuckers are rich in this country, and I say it to some of you probably watching the video. Some of y'all rich because your fucking daddy made you rich. You didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. Most of these athletes, I will say, had to go out here and get it. Like you get some occasionally, maybe you get in because, but you only get so far of your father's name. That's why we, you know, we hear about it ain't these Hall of Fame combinations of father, son, or mother, daughter, and things like that. Eventually, yeah. you got to go get it. So yeah, you damn right, Mike. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think. I think it, it does depend on how you want to look at it. For my initial thought is that no, nobody's really worth it, but that's because not because of it's not their fault. And obviously, like if someone's willing to pay them this much money, more power to them. Like, go get that money. Like you've earned you've earned the right to be able to ask for money, and the market values are now such that these are the prices. But it's it's that it's not that they don't put the work in and they don't work hard and that they aren't the best in their sports. It's simply that it's hard for anyone in at any skill level to live up to where the market values are for a lot of these contracts. And it's hard to quantify, that's hard to quantify what these are worth. Shohei Otani is not going to be worth $700 million because it's hard to be worth $700 million. It's hard to bring $700 million worth of value to a franchise. It Mike, just I is. have a quick question. Hmm. So, okay, so since we're talking about sorry, what, what, okay, we got, what, 10 years, right? Yep. 20, 20 really. But 20, yeah. technically, by, by when he's getting paid. But, but yeah. what, okay, so what exactly, what do you have to do to like, what would his like stats, worth or whatever, what would have to equal for you at the end? Be like, you know what, that dude actually that was worth it. Yeah, what would it be? Well, okay, so I'm gonna taking into account, so he'll be 39 when the actual contract. It's gonna involve that, yes. Um, Multiple. so call it the first 10 years is when he's gonna play, even yeah, though he's in his 40s. But let's just say he's done after 39. He's done after that la- that 10th year. I mean, offhand, I would say they have to win at least four. Four rings, okay. Four rings, and he's got to be NL MVP at least three or four times. Okay. 
I disagree with the NL MVP. I don't even think he needs to be MVP. I just think they need to contend for a World Series. They have Before, to go. Yeah, the they have to go to the World Series, right? Not once, right? If you go to once, it's a complete failure. Right. At this point, you're you're paying him, right? So my point on this whole thing is there's two parts of it. There's the mm-hmm. business side, and then there's the playing side. No mm-hmm. player's worth their contract on the playing side. Just unrealistic. At age 40, even Ooh. though the Japanese baseball players have proven that as they get older, they stay consistent, mm-hmm. it's not he's not going to be pitching and hitting at the same time. You know, they already said that he's probably got another five years of pitching in him, and then he's going to go straight to hitting all the time. Right. So he's not going to even be worth the pitching because that's why you got him for that much. But what he will bring is exactly what Trey and Grandpa Jay said, is he's going to bring all the jersey sales, all the ticket. I guarantee you, you can't buy a Dodger season ticket at this point. You're on a wait list for like 10 years probably at this point. Yeah. And if they sign Yamamoto, forget it. Right. So a lot of these guys for baseball players, it's all about, you know, like – for the for instance, they were talking about this last year for Aaron Judge when he was breaking the record. In one weekend, one weekend, Aaron Judge sold o- almost three hundred million dollars worth of merchandise, tickets, everything in the, in that in that sense for the Yankees. That's his contract. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's his contract for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So he made the their they made their ROI back on their investment before signing the contract. Mm-hmm. So, realistically, a lot of these guys will make the money back. A lot of these guys will make the $700 million back. That's why they're restructured and they can afford it, like you said. But is any player really worth it towards the end of your con- – that's why I said NBA is kind of different now. NBA is kind of restructured where now it's more on the player side. The player – I think the NBA is one of the only organizations now where it's player run. It may be owner run, but it's more player run at this point because – the players dictate how much they're going to get. And right now, there's a lot of guys like P.J. Tucker I saw was making, what, $20 million a year yeah. to not fucking play? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not worth that. Like, But he is on the scale of what the NBA is at now. With the LeBron, is LeBron should be the first $100, $100 million player. There's going to be a $100 million a year player for the NBA at some point. At some point. You think the, the, NBA? Way, the way the way it keeps going up and going yeah, up. Yeah, it's actually really soon. Actually, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be, be soon because they're already on pace for. There's a couple people going to be making about sixty-five, like just based on inflation right now. Currently on contract right now, I think Dame's is going to end somewhere. Yeah, Giannis is the only one now. Giannis is at sixty-two. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's only going right? up. Be able to keep going up. So you he's at sixty. You know who's right behind him? Where you have a case to say it's with Jalen Brown at sixty point seven, and then it's Devin Booker and. Carl Anthony Towns at fifty six. Yeah, so for like for that instance, you just said, you just you just said Jalen Brown is making sixty point seven million per year. Mm-hmm. I expect Jalen Brown to be in an MVP category every single. He's not the best player on his team, right? Carl Anthony Towns is making fifty six. He's also I said, not, and he's also not the he's best, not player, the best player on his team. <laughs> yeah. again, but that's yeah. one of my point is like so yeah, that right. is how that's the worth I'm talking about is mm-hmm. that they're not the best because. You're telling me Jason Tatum? You that's basically you're telling me a, basically it's a restructuring of the contract, right? Mm-hmm. And it's backloaded. So, mm-hmm. but you're telling me that Jace, Jalen Brown is worth more to you than Jason Tatum. Right. Now, I don't have any problem with Jalen Brown. I like Jalen Brown as a player. I think he's a really good player, but he's not a number one. He's not 
He's not the guy that you pay $60 million. You know, I expect him to go get me 30, 10, and 15 every single night. 30, 10, 15, 13, 10, 15. Boom. Be in contention to MVP. That's what I expect. Be MVP with 30, 10, and 15. Correct. <laughs> look at look I mean, at that's, that's Jokic. That's Jokic. Look, that's Jokic. look at MB. Like, that's what they got. They yeah, average a triple double. So, mm-hmm. you know, like they should. Exactly. You're right. But, you know, when you look at they're going to inflate it because these owners know they're going to get their money back. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Anytime. Someone makes it to the Super Bowl. They're, look how big Joe Joe Cool now got it. He got it since going to LSU, having the swagger with the cigar, dominant-ass team, right? Yep. And then goes to the NFL, takes his team after tearing his ACL to the Super Bowl. And look at the Cincinnati's. I guarantee if you went from 2020 to 20, obviously season tickets probably rose from 2020, but because <laughs> there was no seat, no one could sit, no one could sit in the stands. <laughs> but, um, but you could probably see the inflation. Like, oh, this guy's gonna be fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like we drafted, we drafted the next like Montana, or we drafted the next Brady. Like that's probably what people are thinking. So that's what I'm saying is like that's the business side. We'll make our money back, no problem. In right. one weekend of jersey sales and tickets, tickets, season tickets. But you know what the most ludicrous thing I've heard this week is? Chris Bridges. No. Ohio State throwing $25 million. At, at fucking Marvin Harrison Jr. For which one year, damn well knowing that it might not end in a national championship. So what's the point? I mean, if he comes back, you will see a lot of the more of the top quarterback recruits trying to get into Ohio State. But it has to I happen just, now. It's not a if not. Like, ultimately, Ohio State has done, and this is now. this this is just not like this is taking my fandom of Michigan away. Mm-hmm. Ohio State has produced, if not as much good receivers as Alabama, as a lot of these type schools. No so, so like, if you're a transfer going in the portal, you should want to go to Ohio State because you're going to have a good receiving core regardless. Right? But do you but, think they missed that guy already? Should Dylan Gabriel have been who they went after aggressively? Nah. No, really? no, no, no. I never thought he was good at UCF. I thought he was okay. He did. He, did, he was a game manager. Okay, there we go. He's a game manager. He did what he did in the American Conference, but then the Big Twelve exposed him in Oklahoma. He had some good games, some highlights, but it's all. But Big Twelve. Okay, so offense, who's the guy? Manning. Who's that guy? Who did they go Manning's after? Not transferring. No, no the, Manning's not transferring. It was Malik's the one that said Malik Murphy is to transfer. But they already got they already got their guy. Apparently, trade told the trade said I mean, sure. from Aaron Nolan. That's the, the plan right now. Is Aaron Nolan, he's coming in four star with some speed. That's that's been the plan. Maurice Correct basically has been taking pictures with the kids. I'm driving him to Columbus. Like he literally was <laughs> online during the four quarter Michigan game. Like I will drive him out there. So <laughs> it may be him. There's other guys in the portal. So we'll ultimately see what happens. But they'll figure it out. I mean, bro, that used to be twenty grand in a brown paper bag. Well, it probably was 25 mil. Just but college football is what baseball is, it's no cap. So, okay, damn right. At this point, Ohio State is the Yankees, you know, Michigan is the Dodgers. You know, these schools are that's what they are. The schools with that who can print money, Alabama is, you know, the Cubs. Like, these are like the stories. Well, it's like Matt Rule said, and everyone would criticize him, you know. 
if you're not willing to pay a quarterback one, two, one and a half, two million dollars, you're going to lose on the top. I'm pretty sure he said five. No, he said like one to two million dollars a year. You're like you're not going, you're not worth, you're not going to get the best quarterback in the draft or in, right. the, in, the, in the draft. They call, they it's essentially the draft. It's yeah, definitely draft, right? Yeah. Like you're meeting with people's, you know. So like that's that's a, the the realistic thing is a lot of these the schools are, and a lot of these mid American like you know like Liberty and everything are like, well, what? Why aren't we? Why aren't we contending? It's like, well, you're not contending for the top guys in the country. I'm not saying you're not a good football team because you being 13 and 0 is a very difficult task in any level of football. It doesn't matter if you're in Pee Wee's all the way up to right. uh, NFL. Being 13 and 0 is congratulations. You guys deserve that. But you guys stepping on the field with one of the power fives like Bama, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, you're going to get rolled. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but it's just truth. Uh, you guys heard it right here on Single Squad Trade. They called it. He called the Lakers. He said LeBron was going to win one for his team. The rookies actually spoke about it. Congrats to the Los Angeles Lakers on winning the first ever NBA in-season tournament. But come on now. You're the most storied franchise in the NBA, and you want to hang a banner up just because it's the first one ever? I mean, are we serious right now? You got 17 NBA championship banners hanging up in your arena. That's like saying, like, you won like a chocolate chip bacon cookie contest when you were in seventh grade and you got a nice little trophy for that. And you want that to be amongst your accolades as a professional athlete in your trophy case. There's a time and there's a place for things. And a banner for winning the NBA in-season tournament does not deserve to be up in the Raptors with an NBA championship Raptor. I don't care what anybody tells me. Lakers, you're taking this one a bit too far. If it was the Timberwolves or the Suns or the Grizzlies, or the Jazz that got nothing to hang, sure, hang it up because maybe that starts, you know, maybe, you know, it, it, it kills the curse. I don't know. But I don't think the Lakers need to do this. They're way too classy and they're the storied franchise of the NBA. Maybe you do something like you have the trophy somewhere and you encase it so the players can see it or whatever it is, or you put it on display when people walk into the arena. But you've gone too far, Lakers. You've gone too far. And we are definitely talking about money this this show because Gary Day brought up a good topic of how do we feel about the impact of sports gambling in sports at the end of the day. So what do you guys think about, you know, gambling in total? Do you think it's played a factor uh, a lot of these teams? Mikey? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's been interesting to see how all of a sudden it went from you can't ga- you don't can't gamble on sports at all to now you can gamble on sports pretty much everywhere with the click of a button got to love women we talked about computers and technology last week and it's crazy how technology has advanced it so much and i i think the thing is it, it's weird i would love to know how players see it because it is so part of the sports culture now is like I mean, in case in point, we, uh, one of the top sports podcasts in the world, as I see it, yeah. have an entire segment devoted yeah. to bets of the week, blocks yeah. of the week, top three. because it's important. And, and and it does very well because people are interested in it. Jamie does a very good job. He's very knowledgeable about it because he's interested in it. And so I think the impact has changed sports, maybe not the specific teams, but I think the sports gambling has changed the culture. It's changed how we view sports and how a lot of people interact with sports. It's less 
how it's less fandoms. I've started to notice it's less fandoms and more players. It's more what a player can do for you, Mm -hmm. what a team can do for you versus Mm -hmm. I grew up. Like all of us are obviously very entrenched in sports in our lives and we have our fandoms and we're very locked into our fandoms and we root for our teams no matter what, whatever the bet is. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in America and around the world that it's just, well, I like, you know, I like Messi because he's always a safe bet for that goal a game bet, putting 10 bucks on him. And he, that he's going to score because he's usually good for at least a goal a game. Or I like Otani because he's good for 10 strikeouts or a home run a game. He's a safe bet. You hear that? I've heard that a lot more now from sports fans. He's a safe bet or she's a safe bet. So I think, yeah, it's maybe not changed the way leagues operate necessarily other than sponsorships and stuff like that, but it's changed the way fans operate. For, for instance, I mean, sports gambling has always been a part of sports, whether it's been legal or not, right? So, I mean, we can't we can't ignore the fact of that. But I've seen more and more where, like, it's the over-under. And what's the plus-minus? That's where people are calling games. That's how people are – that's how big sports journalists are deciding the games. They're not looking at the play on the field very much anymore. They're looking at, okay, what's the plus-minus? Yeah, I think they can cover that. So, I think they're going to – I think it's going to be a close matchup. It's like, oh, okay. So you think that they're gonna, you know, like, right. you know what I mean? So when I'm looking at that that tor- type of thing, I think sports gambling has kind of enhanced it because now it's brought it out in the open. But it's also hurt it just because, like you said, the fandoms. You're not you're missing out on fans because you know I have some people I I you know talk to and they're just like, yeah, I lost like four hundred dollars the other night. You know, screw the screw the Yankees. You know, and I'm like, aren't you a Yankees fan? He goes, I'm a I'm a money man first. I'm like. Okay, but right. Aren't you the one putting the money into the? <laughs> you into don't the have bet? to. But like, for me, I mean, it goes back to something Trey and I always say. Like when we're teams are playing, when we're playing fantasy football, that's some the most gambling I I ever do is that. But if the Eagles are playing and I lose my fantasy football, I'm more mad about my Eagles the Eagles losing than the fantasy football. I mean, it's just the truth of it all. Like I don't care. I care about it, but I don't at the same time. I think it's good for sports. People like it. People do it. But I also think it can be a really bad thing, too. The fun gambling, once in a while, here you go, like little $1 or $2 bets. Okay, let's throw it in there. But some people just lose their life over this stuff. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Not like like death, but like lose their like no, actual life. Like, lose their lives over it. Like, lose their lives like and stuff. So I think yeah. it's a serious yeah, thing, too. Gone, it's like going wrong. Yeah. Well, like, hold on. If we take it to the history, we take it to the history of gambling. It started in in the, the arenas in Rome, right? And then it, it then went to it then went on to the, the Olympics, which were more modern day. But in between that, and with you know people betting on which warrior would survive, there was tribes in Central America, the Mayas and Aztecs. They played a game called pocket talk, right? And pocket talk or pocket talk, however you want to call it, pocket talk was played with knees only. You couldn't use your hands, and it was like this stone-like ball that had to go through an NBA rim. If you consider moving the rim to the side like this, and you had to hit it through the hole inside of this rim-like structure. And it was a way that tribes literally settle disputes. And sometimes the losers were sacrificed to the gods. So like in the midst of how gambling kind of happened in sports in the history of it, people did lose their lives. Modern day, it's because assholes take loans from pool sharks and don't think they mean business when they say, I'll put you down. And what was that movie with Sandler again, remember that one where it's where yeah, even saw the <laughs> and shoot him and his, his uncle or whatever his cousin at the end, right? 
It started off as high stakes. What it's turned into is a, a bit of a luxury of people all feeling like they have a stake in a game. And that brings you closer to the game. So the average fan feels like they're invested now where they may not have a team, but like Mikey said, they have a player, be it that it's a prop bet or something of a fantasy team player. Because jump back, look, guys, we're betting every week. We put money in to play fantasy sports, right? So that means it's an ongoing gambling tournament that we have a vested interest in every week. And because of that, we show maybe much more interest in what's going on with teams we don't care about, like what's happening with Houston's injury report this week. Or Cleveland's, right? For, for God's sake, why would we have cared about that six years ago if we weren't playing fantasy football? 60 million fantasy football players, by the way, this year between America and Canada. And if you look at who is gambling, 18-year-olds uh, or 20, almost 24% of the population, 18 and up, is gambling in North America. So one every four people are putting up on the line every week. Does every sport love this? Hell yeah. Why? Because you're going to tune in at some point. But let me That's give you some if you want to have fun gambling, don't go with the team. Don't go with the player. Go with the over or the under because you're cheering for both teams either. Not score or score. So the whole time you're like, ah, don't do it. You're like, yes, score the ball, right? Both ways you get to, you get to cheer on both teams doing a good thing or, in your case, a bad thing by scoring. And it makes it a little more fun that way. It's daunting to look at it or try and cheer or go to a game in any other way. Trust me, I've done it. Monday night football game, Bucks against the Rams back in 2003. Yeah, the, my, my bet won, so I'm up in my chairs dancing. Had I not won, despite the fact that the Bucks won the game, I would have been a miserable shit walking out of there. And that's what it does to you. It takes away from the true fandom of your team may have done great, but if you had something going one way, now you're miserable. Sports aren't supposed to be like that. Sports supposed to be a celebration of the moment and your team or certain people that you're cheering on. And unfortunately, gambling takes away from the joy more than anything else. Because the no, rule number one, the house will always, always win. win. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, that's the truth of it all. Right, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, gambling, I, I, I occasionally gamble in, but I'm I'm cheap. I put a couple dollars down here and there. I don't think I try to go for, like, the long shot bet. Just, you know, throw $2 down, see if I can come up on 250 or something crazy like that. But mm -hmm. for me, like, Gambling is good in a way because it does bring people out who would never watch sports. It maybe keeps you watching the game that you wouldn't have normally watched. Like y'all said, who would give a damn about Houston's injury report? But you're like, oh, I, I do got, you know, Tank Dale is on my fantasy team. So, oh, shit, my guy's hurt. And it's like, you don't even like Houston, but because <laughs> Tank Dale's on your fantasy team, now you feel like you just lost an investment too. The downside to it is sometimes people start going too crazy where somebody maybe does the right football play, the right basketball play, and fans are like, I can't believe this. He ruined my thing. Because if this guy literally sat here and said, mm -hmm. you know what I'm going to do? Brian in Minnesota, I'm going to ruin your day. I'm going <laughs> to drop this ball because I don't give a damn about my team. I don't give a damn about winning. I just want to fuck over Brian in Minnesota. That's exactly why I show up to play football today. Like, that, like that's stupid to me. And that gets annoying with fans with that. Then you got the other Fairweather fans who it's cool because you get to discuss sports, but I've had people I'm trying to discuss sports X and O's and all they want to talk about is gambling, which mm -hmm. is cool if you can do both. If not, it is what it is. I like to talk X's and O's. That shit's fun to me. I love mm -hmm. getting to the minutiae of it. 
yes. think that's what the four of us have in common. Mm-hmm. But there is also a certain segment that would never watch sports or one for gambling. So for that sake, it's good because it does bring up the TV ratings. It, it's we got players you would have never heard of who people now are household names solely because of gambling. But we also have people who are household names for the wrong reasons because of gambling. Look at like right. Kadarius Tony right now. He's for the wrong reason a household name, and people are probably sitting out here with voodoo dolls cursing him because mm-hmm. you know. They had the Chiefs in the money line, and he, you know, put his big size 15 on the 49 instead of at the 50. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That's between Kadarius and Patrick. But anyways, gambling is good for sports, but yeah. still, at the end of the day, people, do it in moderation. And if you are a gambler, try to actually enjoy the game. Try to actually learn some X and O's. You're already here. Why not try to learn the X and O's? Learn why they're doing what they're doing. Don't just say – they didn't give it to my guy. There is a method beyond the madness. Whether we think these coaches are idiots or some are, there's a reason why they're playing the way they are or calling the game the way they are. Right. Yeah, well, Kevin well, Durant's been the most vocal person I would say an athlete about all that crap. Like, you think I'm really here to boost your fantasy team? Yeah, you know, he's well, missed yeah, that. True. He's more, well, he's, that's that's yeah. the thing, right? Like, And that's one thing I love about sports, sports gambling is the one part about people who don't like the sport and are trying to get into the sport – start to watch the games a little bit more, learn the game, that type of thing. I've seen people go do that for hockey. Like hockey, NHL is one of the most underrated sports in, in America, in my opinion. And anytime someone goes to it, I tell people, just go to a game. They're like, I don't watch it on TV. It's like, you can't get into hockey unless you go to a game. And you will immediately fall in love with the game and not the game of fight. And I, that's one thing I always hate about hockey. There are less fights now than there ever has been. I know the Florida Panthers. Are not proving my point really <laughs> right right now. That's but it. that's a separate topic. But yeah. when you look at hockey, hockey is a great sport. I won't get into that right now. But when you look at a sport like that, you know, people bet on the, like the Maple Leafs always beating the Lightning or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, go to a game, enjoy the game, enjoy the learn it, but don't in in and gamble kind of like Trey does. Like do a little bit of here, you know, win some maybe like hundred bucks. Take your you know. Take whoever out to dinner, you know, whatever. Go out to dinner yourself, have yourself a nice meal, those type of things. But don't bet your house on the damn freaking right. game. Like, is and one thing I was listening to this week is Michael Porter Jr. was talking with Aaron Gordon about this, and he was saying half his DMs are people that are either um, death threats because he either lost the game or lost the fantasy game for him, mm-hmm. or they're like, "Oh, thank you, bro. You won me a hundred dollars." Blah blah blah. And Aaron Gordon's like, yeah, I get that. All I got that so much in Orlando because Aaron Gordon was like at the pinnacle in Orlando. Was, yeah, and he was one of the guys. And people were so like in, inundated, and I think that's terrible because what it ultimately does is ruin the fandomship. That's what I think about it, and ruin the fandomship in in the sense of players inter- going before the game. I remember when you could go to a game and you knew before the game you could get some autographs. You can go get star player autographs, those type of things. Now you can't really do it, number one, because you'll see a guy there with, like, six footballs, sign them all, then they'll be on eBay the, the next night because Stefan Diggs or, or that type of thing, while a kid right here is suffering behind him because he can't get his football signed. All he wants right. to do is have his favorite player sign the football. Now, that's not really gambling. That's just the money side of football and, like, the sports memorabilia world. But those type of players are when, they, when, they, when they're like, oh, when they hear walking, you lost me a hundred thousand dollars. I hope everyone blah blah blah. Like th- sending death threats, that's a little far. If you are doing that to people, 
to these athletes, really, you got to really think your life in that in that aspect because that's something that maybe you should rethink their life because they they're perfectly fine. They're they're going home with a three hundred thousand dollar game check. <laughs> You're not. So um, ultimately, sports gambling, I think, is you know fun. I think it's cool to do like the the squares for Super Bowl. I like doing those. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like for last year, my when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, I felt demoralized. Like I was like. I took my jersey off. I went right to bed. I took a shower and went to bed. I, I felt like I played the game. Like, I was pacing. I was, like, in the phantom shift. And, like, Malin was like, why, why do you care so much? And it's like, this is my love. Like, this is what I care about. And, like, I feel like we lose that a lot of times with sports gambling, which on the other side I don't like as well. They sure. lose that type of hype. That's like when you got people don't know. And a lot of people love sports. But, like you said, Jay, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Now, usually I'm talking about my Michigan Wolverines, but I got to bring it home. And I mean home to the 315. Shout out to Fran Brown, man. He coming in and doing work immediately. Flipping a five-star recruit, DB from Texas A&M, to come to Syracuse. And I love the kid's energy. This is only the beginning. That's what he said in the beginning. So I'm hyped to see what he has to bring. He's the number one recruiter in 2023. Obviously, it's not that hard to recruit for Georgia when you're in a national champion and you got all the top recruits going there anyways. But he's doing his thing at Syracuse right now. So I want to shout out Fran Brown. Looking forward to seeing what comes of this. And obviously, I'm a Michigan fan, but I always got to represent my hometown. Go Orange. So as we continue gambling and going into, you know, sports and, and, and talk about gambling on players, players gambling on each other. Um, players and schools gamble um, in the transfer portal right, all the time. We talked about this a little bit before about how, you know, transfer portal is, is, is a guessing game. You don't know who's going to fit with your system. You don't know who's going to fit with what. So what is the impact of players being able to transfer as much as they are in the transfer portal? And what's – you know, players not being able to – I know the NCAA just released uh, that they're now going to allow the second year, uh, second transfer year. Uh, they're letting that kind of – It's a know, temporary so. restraining order. So sure. federal judge just issued a 14-day temporary restraining order today, uh, basically stating I'm granting an issue, a temporary restraining order for 14 days and joining the NCAA from enforcing the transfer eligibility rule insofar as it requires the transfer to sit out for an academic year of residence and the rule of restitution. So basically he's trying to say that kids don't have to sit out if they transfer twice right now. And that's in the next two, in the next two weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a big risk for these kids. And I know, you know, I was speaking to it earlier. Leonard Hamilton was talking about this and, you know, I'll put this up simultaneously with this clip, this, this, his interview. And he was talking about, how, you know, the transfer portal, it's a hit or miss now in, in college basketball and college sports in general because mm-hmm. a lot of these kids are signing contracts mm-hmm. and then they're leaving. And then one reporter was like, well, you guys sign contracts and you leave whenever the hell you want. Yeah. And then he put them back in his place and saying, well, only out of 300 coaches, 30 of those coaches are the ones moving every single year. So it's not a very big percentage. We're just seeing the big name schools, right? So we had the six hundred and fifty-five athletes this year. Correct. Correct. But that's still in the overall. That number still is not super high in overall percent. If you Correct. look at how many athletes versus how many Division One schools you have, right? right. 
Correct. It, it's it, and it's it, it's a never it's a never ending cycle. Like you can go back and forth, but then someone can go right in front of you on this. Like it's it, it's happening. At the end of the day, these coaches that have been there, I'm sorry, but it's happening, and you have to either get with it or get out. Damn like we've seen with a lot of these coaches. So trade it. What do you, what kind of impact do you think this is taking that they're gambling on these for players and coaches? I mean, I think at this point, to be honest with you, the transfer portal going forward is going to be more important than actual recruiting day. Recruiting national sign day doesn't mean squat. Everybody jumps up and says, Oh my god, I got the top recruiting class and all that. There's a good chance that whoever you got, you get 10 five stars. Only five of those five stars are probably actually gonna make it the whole time through your program. A couple of them aren't gonna start, they're gonna bounce. And in the end, did you really have 25, you know, scholarship athletes that year? Or did you really have 10? Because only 10 on the state, and you're going to replace them with some more. So if you're a coach, if you want to sit there and play, I don't want to get in the transfer court and all that, you're going to get left behind. You're going to lose. You're going to lose that battle. That point. is what this is. The transfer portal is now free agency. Perfect example, my Buckeyes. At one point, we had Quinn Ewers. When we had Quinn Ewers. Quinn wasn't going to start behind Stroud. On top of Quinn not – being able to start behind Stroud. At the time, Texas wasn't doing NIL money. He deep down wanted to go to Texas. As soon as he had the opportunity to transfer, he goes to Texas, does his transfer. Meanwhile, Ohio State gets stuck with McCord. You know why? Because nobody else wanted to come there at the time because nobody's like, okay, I'm going to have to go compete with Ewers at that point. So Ohio State, because they didn't play the transfer portal right, gets stuck with Kyle McCord, and that's how you end up in the position that you are with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown having to battle it out. If you don't use the transfer portal right, and it shows you in the last few years, look at the Heisman ceremony. Who were the top three people in the Heisman this year? You had Jane Daniels, you had Michael Penix, and you had Bo Nix. What do all three of those have in common other than being a quarterback? Transfer. All three were transferred. That it all what else did all three of them have? They all played at good teams on top of that. And what else happened recently? Joe Burrow went to the transfer portal. He wins the Heisman. Jaden wins the Heisman. So we have two very recent Heisman winners who were in. We had the whole Heisman stack win. It's five of the last seven have entered the transfer portal. So five of the last seven. And the biggest thing is, right, like as a player, you're going in, you're talking with these coaches, right? And, and we say this all the time. When they get drafted to the NFL, to the NBA, to the NHL, the MLB, right, you get in on these teams, you start talking to the coach, and the coach and you maybe are hitting it off great, right? And then you get into a game. And the coach isn't utilizing your skill set. You're not fitting the system, right? A lot of the times it's just that. And that's why I think the transfer portal is so key, right? Anyone can sit there and talk to you and say, hey, yeah, come to my school, those type of things. You know, they're, you know, this is what we can do for you until you get into the game. And I think that's where a lot of people don't understand is like when we get into game live action, that is when you'll know if this guy fits for you. You will never know looking at a tape. You'll never know looking at anything else other than when he gets on that field. Now, it does help if you have a bunch of five stars around you that are really all Americans, going to NFL, those type of things. But you have to look at it as you need to fit the system. Deion Sanders said it this week, or last week, actually. He was talking about how he's only got four scholarship high school kids on the roster. Hmm. And he said, what? What's, what's happening is exactly what Trey said. And he, I think he's alluding to that same interview is the fact that the transfer portal is where you're going to win football games. These five-star recruits can come in and learn from these transfers because if you're not grabbing guys who have college experience, why do you think there's so much parity in college basketball now? A lot of these big-name guys are going to these schools that are mid-major schools mm -hmm. and, you know, realistically not, 
you know, fitting at the big name schools and going to the mid majors and look at FAU, look at Farley Dickinson, look at these schools that are competing Southern beating Mississippi State. You got uh, every single USF beating Florida State. You know, USF has had a terrible record over the last 10 years. Upsets a big ACC opponent. Realistically, Leonard Hamilton hasn't won in the transfer pool yet. You know, a lot of these guys have eight, nine transfers, not a lot of high school recruits. You know what I'm saying? So the high school recruits, you know, it, it goes back to like, are we going to now, what are we going to do with the high school recruits? You know what I mean? Are we going to try to mature them? Are we going to try to go make, have some sort of eligibility where like, you know what I mean? Like where it goes to like in hockey, hockey, for instance, if you're not ready for to go into hockey, in into college hockey, you go play juniors for a couple of years. You mature. You learn how to play fast. Well, we already hockey. have a system to mature. It's called a red shirt. Mm-hmm. That's but that's what I'm saying. It's like hockey does that without even you and losing any eligibility. You go into the NHL. There's you a maybe, system for it. There's a right. there's an in between, right. right? So right, correct. You go play juniors and you go play, and then they either say, "Okay, you're ready to go," or or whatnot. So I don't know, Grandpa Jay. What do you think? I think it's become a very con, con, confusing system, but it's convoluted. Like there are up to 14% of players leaving across the board throughout all sports, and maybe half of them are going to have a successful transfer. So it's a huge risk, you know, and it, that's one in every seven players almost like across all sports. They're going to say, yep, I'm going to make that jump. But what it's really doing is convoluted is what I'm looking for. What it's really doing is it's taken away from – somebody actually choosing the school for the right reason. So when you're trying to teach a kid, in my case, I'm coaching, I'm trying to teach these kids what to look for and how to choose your school. A lot more of it is predicated on the factors that make you want to have an enjoyable experience in said school and town. So is the weather favorable? How's the food on campus? How close is it to home? Is the education of the value of where you see yourself afterwards from a career standpoint? But what is coming right now is basically it's like, where do I want to play ball? Where do I want to swim? Where do I want to play tennis? Where do I want to play? And nothing else matters because like I don't give a shit if I like this place or not for six, eight, nine, ten months. I'm out. Like right away. And you know it right away. And really what it should be teaching athletes is, for instance, like you get someone who comes in for the transfer portal late and you now fill the key position, even though you got a five-star recruit at that position. Yay for you, coach. Depth equals success. Well, one of those players is like, I'm out. I, I, I'm, I'm rescinding. I don't want to sign with you anymore. So now instead of an athlete embracing competing against the best on his or her team, because that person may have just raised your game instantly because they're like, hey, I, I can't really treat this summer the way I was going to treat it. I got to be all in 100% because I was going there thinking I have the starting job or I'm going to be on the A team or not the B team or the A relay or the B relay. Now this summer is fully dedicated to my craft. That's what you want in this sport. You want your freshman or you want your incoming freshman to feel like I have to go all in over the summer to make me better, which makes the product better. And it's diluted it. It's convoluting it. It's not guaranteeing a great product amongst the masses. You're saying, yes, we're getting more parity. But I think it's such an easy out. I don't know if it's teaching the right lesson to athletes. Yeah, I mean that's a great that's a great point, especially from a you know coach yourself teaching these kids like, hey coach, they're taking all these transfers. What do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like right now you're trying now coaches of the youth and you know the eighteen and you coaches are now trying having to relearn kind of 
how to recruit for their for their kids mm-hmm. because is it going in there getting the you know a lot of these five stars may get looked over because okay we got this force like for instance for Mike's UNC team you know they lost Caleb Love I think went mm-hmm. to Arizona you know for Arizona a five star kid may have been coming in there. No, you ain't the starting you ain't starting point guard no more. So Mike, Mike, what kind of impact are you seeing on your end, good or bad? So, so th- three things from what you guys said kind of stand out. A, John, I like your point about uh, the hockey that they have that kind of middle level where you can go to juniors. Uh, you're starting to see that a little bit with basketball, where you'll see kids take an extra year of prep school before yeah. oh, they yeah, really before class. they yeah. go in it's not as it's not nearly as widespread as you'll see the juniors the guys that end up going into college but it's starting to become kind of a thing so two examples kind of stood out to me as to the impact that it's having uh one is at John and I's um school St. Bonaventure uh, a couple years ago had a great year went to the tournament had a great starting lineup. What happens? Well, one of them, Jalen Adaway, he was graduating anyway, but the other four left. Oshun Osuni and Jaron Holmes both go to Iowa State. Kyle Lofton goes to Florida. Don Welch goes to Alabama. And all of a sudden, Coach Mark Schmidt has his bench guys, and he has to dip into the transfer portal. He ends up getting Daryl Banks because St. Peter's had a really great year, and they had a bunch of people leave. And he gets Daryl Banks from St. Peter's. Ultimately, the only two players that really mattered out of that team that left. I mean, yeah, you know, the two went to Iowa State, but mm-hmm. Kyle Lofton and, and and the other guy that went to Bama they had mediocre years. But I think they really could have probably taken Bonaventure. They wanted to taste the NCAA tournament again. They should have right. went back to Bonaventure because that would have right. They would have went right. back. Probably been a very contending team, right? Like been right. there. They have a lot of chemistry, yeah. a lot of talent. Coming back, you know, those type of things are are what I'm seeing as well as like you're you're trying to dip your the power five is still relevant and trying to dip right. your toe back into the power five. Right. That these kids are saying, okay, I wasn't a power five recruit, now I am. Right. You see the flash, those two saw the flash lights of Florida and Alabama in the power five, and they're like, Oh, well, this is my chance to be seen on an whether they're at and honestly, whether they're making a tournament or not, to be seen on a national stage. Mm-hmm. Florida and Alabama at, at most times are going to naturally get more coverage, oh, yeah. national 100%. coverage than St. Bonaventure, unless you get deep into a 10 play where St. Bonaventure is good, then they'll start getting some looks. But even so it's a power five school. The other one, a particular player that te- schools bet on and he bet on himself and it continuously started working out less and less. I know you guys remember him for those out there that don't remember him. His name was JT Daniels. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say him. Yep. <laughs> Two years at USC, what was it? Two years at USC, two years at Georgia, a year at West Virginia, a year at Rice. And now he's retired. And yeah, now he's retired <laughs> because it progressively didn't work out. He kept, well, he kept dipping, getting injured. <laughs> right. He kept getting and injured. And the, the injuries, things, boom. Right. It wasn't year. working when he was healthy. It wasn't going to work. I mean, but, he had a few good games, but it was like he got like right. one, two games, done for the season. Right. Yeah. ACL. You know, those type of things. Yeah, he'd have a couple of good games at USC, and so he's leaving. And it's like, oh, George is like, oh, okay, experienced quarterback. He, he showed some flashes. Same thing happens at Georgia. West Virginia is like, well, okay, like we want to get back into prominence. We'll take him. Doesn't work out again. And then he's left with Rice, which no offense to Rice, but it's not <laughs> nearly any of those other three schools 
it's not even West Virginia, let alone Georgia and USC. No. Only so, we'll see how Georgia. We'll see how Georgia. We don't want to hear. Won two that. national championships after he left. Yeah. Well, no, um, I mean, they won national championship that year. That he the was year there, he got hurt, and and uh, Stetson oh, Bennett took over. They did win that one. Yeah. You know, so he, like he was. He I, I always forget he was the one. He that started the Clemson him. game. That's why that yeah. Clemson game was so low. And then he got hurt in the Clemson game. Stetson Bennett took to over, him. and basically it was his team from there on on out. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I can see why they see the shining lights. I saw Florida this past weekend. The way they roll, the way they you know with the Jordan brand everywhere. They got the way they come into the arena. It's almost like. Right. A god walking through the you yeah know, yeah that, that's how oh, it yeah. felt like and you had the likes of Florida State USF I mean Richmond's been Big A ten schools so but like Florida walks in and it's like it's like, it felt like the like the suits like you know what I'm talking like whole the, other, yeah, the yeah, Dodgers yeah. or the Yankees or you know oh. any of those big name teams you know walking through it was like damn oh they shit, come with a presence yeah. and I think that's why a lot of these kids do the transfer portal because they want to go be a part of that yeah. presence I mean there was. They're packing the house with Florida fans. I showed it in my clip. Like I was like, "Damn, this is the lower bowl is packed with blue." Yeah, it's 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 just a different atmosphere. I mean, you and I know from being a Bonaventure, they love their team and they get wild for their team. But it's still, it's it's if they could do it, I think they would do it. And maybe they're supposed to be renovating the Riley or rebuilding the Riley Center, and maybe they'll build that up even more. But it's just right. It's just the presence. It's these kids want to it's that's part of the allure in the transfer portal and now that they have the ability to either go once or twice it's you know it's it's the bright shining light it's all hollywood now power five schools are hollywood whether they're in hollywood or not mm-hmm. yeah i should be talking about tommy cutlets but there's something else on my mind this week nfl can we stop with these wishy-washy calls apparently the ground can't cause a fumble sometimes and can cause a fumble other times. He's not giving himself up. How is Saquon Barkley not giving himself up when he falls to the ground surrounded by defenders? It's not like he's trying to, he at no point was trying to get up and continue running. He was just on the ground. And now the ground can cause a fumble. And so now Saquon Barkley has a fumble to his record. Are you kidding me? So taking away from the amazing performance of the New York Giants led by, once again, Tommy Cutlets is a fumble by Saquon Barkley that in no way, shape, or form could be a fumble. So let's fix these rules. Let's actually get some consistency with these rule callings. Um, as we move into our last topic, of the, uh, we talk about gambling and talk about everything. This year, Mikey and I are eliminated from the fantasy football at Cinco Squad. Yep. Congratulations to Mr. Trey Day and Grandpa Jay for making the playoffs. I had my two best weeks against y'all the last two weeks. Yeah, thanks for making my team look like poop last week. (laughs) So, this brings up an interesting thing. Who has been your fantasy football player, I guess, that's been your kryptonite this year? And we'll go from anytime, like not just this year. Yeah, anytime. Oh, okay, you said this year. I was making sure we were not just doing this year. Anytime. Trey Day, go ahead. Okay, for me, it was Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has been a thorn in my ass. Yeah, Aaron Jones, uh, like, so Aaron Jones kind of came out first. He wasn't, like, the guy in Green Bay. Then he kind of balls out a year. And then I'm like, all right, you know who I'm going to draft? I'm going to get Aaron Jones. And I comboed him with Aaron Rodgers at the time. And I'm like, I think I remember I named my team Aaron and out. And I'm like, I'm about to run this shit. And Aaron Jones that year went up and down. was inconsistent. 
And like one week he would ball, one week he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I had a couple other good running backs. I just didn't know when to play him, and I was frustrated. So I'm like, I probably can't draft this guy again. After that, every year at some point, and actually the year before, he had burned me. But every year at some point, I play a team with Aaron Jones, and I end up losing. This year, week one, my team went 11-3. Week one, Aaron Jones went off for like 27 fantasy points. It's not even like he did that much. Homeboy had 40 yards rushing, but he had a touchdown. He had 86 yards receiving, but he only had two catches and a touchdown. It was like the guy made all of three big plays, but of course it's the week I'm playing him, and then this whole year he's been up and down, injured, but it always seems to be every time I'm playing Aaron Jones, that's when he just decides, you know what, I'm about to ball. So Aaron Jones has been a thorn in my ass in the kryptonite. That's no shade to Aaron Jones. I'm sure he's probably a good guy, but damn, Aaron, why, why can't you pick the weeks you don't play me the ball out? Mike, who, who's going to thorn in your ass? Well, I'm glad you're the one that asked me, Trey, because my, the thorn in my ass has been someone I believe you had when we played earlier this season. John remembers this because I bitched to him about it on the phone the next day. So this has been the biggest thing for me, and it's Jamar Chase because hmm. oh, I, I had – Jamie did. Oh, it was Jamie. Okay. Yeah, it Jamie was one actually. of the top teams. Yeah, so, Jamie, I'm sorry. Jamie, you're – Jamar Chase has been a throw in my ass. I had my whole season has been marred with guys that either that I got every week. I get one guy that does really well, one it's or two Keenan, guys do really well. Yeah. That was Keenan. Keenan uh, caught him. No, because I I because I matched Keenan that week with like Hopkins. Okay. I had finally a week where my team all played fantastic. Everybody's getting 15, 20 points a piece. Like we're doing great. The Eagles defense had a great week. So I think they had like they had like 14 points. Yes, thank you. For one, gonna, the one time I'll ever thank the, the Eagles defense. The one time I'll ever thank the Eagles defense. They had like two picks in like a fumble recovery, only gave up like 10 points that game or something. Something like that. My kicker hit like whoever I forget who I had in kicker, but he hit like two 50 yarders. Like I'm doing great. And goddamn Jamar Chase decided to complain before the game about how he's always open. And so Burrow just decided to throw it to no one but him. He goes off for what? What was it? Like 150 yards and two touchdowns? A lot. When I really don't need him to get. He had like 50. And when like receipt. No, he had like a bunch of. He had like 40 something points in one week that I need him to not get. He could have gotten in the 30s, and I would have won. He could have gotten 39, and I would have won. But no, he's got to break 40. I lose, and I blame that game. I blame that early matchup for the reason why I did not make the playoffs, not the other, what, 10 losses. Can I have an honorable mention for Mike? His kryptonite is his team names. because he decided. Oh, yeah, yeah. also I always name my Giants players, and he always – has to draft and like we all have said this to him you don't have to draft those players but it, he's it, like but i have to it's on my principle. team i'm like yeah but like you don't have ha- the name him after barkley or something like name oh, after some, someone that's going to produce for you bro like i really like, thought jalen hyatt was going to but they didn't use him until now yeah. they're using okay, so him now tommy devito be your first pick next year got it <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I can watch. Mike, you cut clips. That can be your clip. That way you don't have to draft anyone. So, yeah. All right. So, my kryptonite um, this year, and like every single year, it just seems to be the same person. 
for the last like four or five years, and that's Debo. Debo is mm, fucking let me down more times or not. Every time, like I'll put him on my bench, he'll have 29. I'll put him in the lineup, he'll have three. And then I'll put him back on my bench, 29. Put him back in my lineup, three. Or gets injured and has to leave the game for a couple. I'm like, God damn it, Debo. Now these last two weeks. And then it's always when it doesn't matter, I'll leave him in, and he just goes off for the last two games Mm -hmm. to give me my highest point streak. And, you know, I love drafting him, but I'm like, God damn it. No wonder no one wanted you in the sixth round. (laughs) But, but no, hats off Debo. He's, He's a... Top five receiver in the league, hundred percent overall player. Jamie, Grandpa Jay, take us home. Who's your Man, tonight? It's more like a it's the quarterback position. I gamble this year, went with depth and went with Deshaun. Can I get a hand on me, Watson? And <laughs> that didn't work out too great. I mean, also I was like, yeah, week three, we're on the up. I like what I'm seeing, twenty three points, and then homeboy disappears for four weeks. Comes back to have a negative 1.8 game. Luckily, I start Jordan. I start Love instead of him, and Love goes off about 30 in that game. So I'm like, got my quarterback, but not so fast. I trade for my guy Joe Cool, and I have him for all but two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, and my boy decides that he's going to sit out the rest of the season. So quarterback position has kind of haunted me. Luckily, I have really awesome matchups with Love in these two weeks for the playoffs. But that's if I make it out of the playoffs. I got. Uh, Tampa was given, I think they've given up the fifth most points to fantasy quarterbacks and then Carolina the week after. So if somebody can make it to the championship game, we might have a shot, but fuck the injury bug. Cause that's, who's killing me right now. <laughs> Going into this semifinal matchup. I got Olave's questionable. I got JJ, Justin Jefferson's questionable. Jacob questionable. Keenan Allen is questionable. In fact, Keenan Allen is now ruled, is ruled out. out. He's ruled, ruled out. out. All right. Ramondre Stevenson is ruled out. Chris Godwin's questionable, and the Cowboys are going to Buffalo. So every goddamn starter that I could start this week, I can't start in the semifinals of the playoffs. So fuck the injury bug this week. I'm I'm just sick and tired of of the same thing happened to me last year against your dad. Three of my starters go out the week before the playoffs. I have an amazing regular season, and now I got nothing to show for it again this year. So, Well, you might want to put Jay Jetta back in because he said he's playing today. Yeah, who's going to throw him the ball? Freaking – Tom Leosorda, like who's throwing him the ball? The the guy, the guy who bought the the, the most expensive friggin' uh, ticket to come to the game, sitting up in the booth. They're like, "Hey, we need you, guy. You spent fifty thousand. Come on, you get a shot to throw the ball." <laughs> Be like invincible all over again in the play. <laughs> oh man! So, well, c- good luck to you guys. Um, I know Mike and I will be sitting in. Uh, I'm looking like a train, Brandon. We should have done a final whistle for for Mike and I because we were limited. A while ago. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, like <laughs> in a few weeks well, ago. Well, fellas, I want to get back on my winning streak right now as we play Stomp the Squad. All right, boys and girls, and all you crazy people out there, it's our favorite time in the show. It is Stomp the Squad. This is when we ask each other a series of questions to see who we can stump. If you get it right, you get plus two. If you get it wrong, you get minus two. We know it all, so sometimes we just mess with you guys to make you feel like we don't. Hey, we got to keep it fun, right? But here's the deal. The person who has the most wins at show 100 gets crowned king of the stump or king of the stump the squad. Whatever you guys want to phrase it at, I kind of like king of the stump because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get my crown on and win that stump the squad. 100 show is where we're going to do it. So you guys got to stay tuned up until then. 
but let's take it away, boys. Yeah, boys and girls and ghouls and goblins, you know what time it is. Stop the Squad is back. Once again, our favorite time of the show. John is on a roll as of late. He was sick and tired of sitting number one. Right now, your boy is still ahead on the leaderboard. But let's see if one of these guys here gets a little bit closer at the end of this Stump the Squad. We never go with Mikey first, and we never really go with who's in the middle, I should say. So I'm going in El Medio because, Mike, give us our update and then take away our first question. Yes, yeah, so allow me to pull up the scoreboard real quick. So as we enter the Stump the Squad, we currently have Jamie, as he said, setting atop with seven wins. Trey in second with five, me in third with a convenient three, and John currently in fourth, nipping at my heels with two. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we've discussed, guys, some uh, ludicrous contracts. Ludicrous. Yes, that's some Chris Bridges contracts. <laughs> That'll be Chris Bridges. That would be Mr. Chris Bridges, the new face of State Farm. Um, so tell me this. What is the most amount of money that Babe Ruth made in a single year? Is it A, 80,000, B, 60,000, C, 100,000, or D, 40,000? In any year, right? In any, for a single year. I'm going with a buffet. That guy like to eat. He was Zion before Zion. <laughs> yes. All you can eat past is that's only he performed better. Well, yes, yeah, so he performed with his fat self. So. Uh, sixty thousand. That's my guess. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that came out to me immediately when you said it. Sixty thousand. Okay, John says sixty thousand. Yeah, sixty sounds right, but I just want to say like forty thousand was so much back then too. So I'm gonna go with the low ball end and go with forty. Okay, so John and Trey say 60,000. Jamie says 40,000. This week I have successfully stumped the squad. 80,000. Damn it. 80,000. 80,000. Damn it. Babe Ruth. $80,000 now gets you a double A player. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Although it's insane, uh, as a side note, it's insane how little. uh, Yeah. Um, it's insane how little like first year minor league players get in baseball. It's like ten thousand. Granted, I mean they get their food and travel and yeah, stuff, but yeah, it's ten thousand. It's, it's ridiculous. Cool. All right, Jamie, since you had it was your second guess, how about you go? I should have gone with the gut. Anyway, so I am gonna take it to current fourth quarter points per game because man oh man, were those Monday night games so much more thrilling than I think any of us had thought they would have ended. We got a potential game-winning driver. Nope, that's the game-winning drive there. And then my guy, Will Levis, just showing up in the right moments there. But I would just say Miami kind of shit that one away. So, gentlemen, yes. which one of these teams belong currently in the top five right now at this point in the season for most fourth-quarter points scored per game? Hmm. Wow, good question. Houston? Miami, San Francisco, or Atlanta? I'm going Houston. Yeah, I'm going yeah. Houston. I want to say Houston. So all you guys are going Houston? Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. I'm going yeah. Houston. <laughs> and I have also stumped the squad this week. Say Atlanta. 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 
Atlanta sitting at four. Atlanta sitting at four. San Francisco five, Miami seven, and Houston's ten. So at the top of the league, of course, Dallas at eight point eight, Denver at eight point six, Buffalo at eight point five, Atlanta at eight point one, and the Niners at seven point nine. So only four teams scoring more than eight points a game in the fourth quarter. Wow. Mm-hmm. We run next. Trade. Okay, so we just talked about fantasy football, so. We're going to go historical fantasy football. Hmm. So, okay. according to what I could find, I did some hardcore research on this. What team scored the most defensive fantasy football points in one single week? This is a standard. We're going with standard rules. Oh, shit. This year? No, just Ever. historically. Ever. Historically? Ever. These are going to be four historical teams. Most single, the most points by fantasy defense in one single week. Oh, defense, defense, defense. Just defense. I thought you meant like team. My bad. My bad. The most points won in one week for as long as fantasy stats have been kept. Yes, as long as fantasy has been kept up in fantasy stats, and they actually were able to track fantasy stats all the way back to the sixties. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. So we'll go with the 1987 Eagles, the 1989 Browns, the 1996 Patriots, the 2000 Ravens. Okay. I was going to say. Offhand, you would think it's the Ravens, but I, I, I'm willing to bet it's not. That team was because fucking. It, it felt like they were getting a sack, fumble, touchdown, interception, touchdown, all the time. I'm gonna go with my gut. I'm gonna say that '96 Patriots team. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we got '96 Pats for Mike. I'm gonna go the Ravens. That that defense was cold. <laughs> that was that one of the best. Def- that was one of the best defenses I've ever seen play. Hmm. Somehow, I think there was a very special date that happened somewhere up in Cleveland in '89. Because I do feel that special teams also counts for points with defense, because they they just smush them all up together. But I'm gonna go with the '89 Cleveland Browns. Okay, so we got '96 Pats for Mike, '89 mm-hmm. Browns for Jamie. And the 2000 Ravens for John. Please tell me you stumped the squad. Unfortunately, I did not stump the squad. Somebody was right. Somebody almost changed their guts, stayed with their guts. So I successfully stumped everybody except for Jamie. Hey. It was the 1989 Browns. Unfortunately, and it's a very unfortunate day, but fortunately, I was not living for this day. It was against my Pittsburgh Steelers, but I was not living yet in 1989 <laughs> to actually witness this. On this terrible day, the, the the 1989 Browns scored a whopping 52 fantasy football Ooh, points in the What happened in that game? The Browns recovered five fumbles. There were six fumbles total, but they recovered five. They had three interceptions, six sacks. Two of the fumbles were returned for touchdowns. One interception was returned for a touchdown, and they allowed only 53 yards for the entire game. Holy Jesus. Final score? Is that up The there? final score for that game was 51 Browns, Steelers zero. Oh my God! It's one of the worst <laughs> days in Steelers Browns history. And we oh, made you really live it. <laughs> oh, I didn't live it. Fortunately, I was not alive in 1989. So, yeah. All right. Well, right now, Jamie has at zero going for win number eight. I'm done at minus six, but Mike and Trey are at minus four. So Jamie has to get it wrong, and they have to get it right. So. Brett Favre, Brett Favre, 
favor. Brett favor. Has the most interceptions in NFL history. Yes, he does. How many does he have? Oh. 324, 290, 333, or 366? 326. Mike? 324. 366. Grandpa Jay. 333 just comes off the tongue so nice, but you threw that one in there just to fuck with us. So 324 is my guess. Okay. Uh-oh. Well, I can't win because, yeah. <laughs> Today, I have successfully stumped Grandpa Jay and Trey Day. It is 366, which is embarrassing. (laughs) I remember for some reason, I I, when you said 366, I pictured the all-time interceptions list in my head, and I'm like, that looks right in my head. All right, so I got got to have a tiebreaker. Okay, I was going to say, but go ahead. I already had a tiebreaker set. Okay, back cool. to fantasy football and defenses. Let's do this again. Oh, okay, so post the year 2000, since we already established this happened back in 89, post the year 2000, what is the highest found defensive fantasy point performance one single game? Post the year 2000. So 2000 until current day, what's the highest? How many points? How many points? Okay. Can I guess? Or you want me to go guess. last? Yeah, okay. How many points in one game for defense? Gotcha. Same thing like before, but this is post-2000. What is the highest amount? 45. Number popped right. into my head. Again, we're going to go with the gut. 27. Post-2000? No, I, I definitely remember the Miami Dolphins having a game with at least 37 points. So I'm going to go 37. You're going to go 37. Okay, so this game actually happened against John's Philadelphia Eagles. They were on the wrong side of this. It was the Seattle Seahawks. It was 2005, so it wasn't the Legion of Boom era. But today's winner, it would have been John because he was really close. (laughs) The number is 46. So today's winner is Jamie with his 37. (laughs) John was winning one point. So Jamie is this week's Stump the Squad winner. (laughs) Ocho, baby, Ocho. He gets the Ocho, and I don't have to go Ocho. The Ocho. Grandpa J, the Ocho, with the winner of episode 89. And I think that eliminates me at this point. No. No. I have two wins, and we have 11 shows left. Oh, yeah, no, I'm right. You got to go perfect the rest of the time. I I literally can't lose. <laughs> so can you guys just not show up next week and I'll just like I'll just... <laughs> well congratulations Grandpa Jay he has eight wins uh, Trey Day has five right Mike yeah so our, our updated leader is... Mike has three I have two so that that is the scoreboard at this point Grandpa Jay continues his hot streak you son of a bitch you <laughs> so close, man. I want two fantasy. I'm number one in my other fantasy league, so I get the bye week. So I just want that. I just want that crown, man. That big crown. But we'll, we'll decide that here in February in 2024. Next week, make sure you tune in. We got good old Idris coming back on the show for episode 90. He's going to come talk sports with us. Um, he's always a great person to have on. Got to get Brandon back on the show. And also, at the end of the year, we're going to have Tyvon Branch come on, back on, talk a little football back. So make sure you guys 
are tuning into everything because we're going to be here throughout the end of the year. And fellas, I was doing the math on this year. We did an episode every single week, or we'll do an episode every single week of 2023. We did not miss a we did not miss a beat. 52 episodes this yeah. year, fellas. That's awesome. Well done, well done. So well done, boys. Bring your Santa hats, bring your ugly sweaters, and we'll we'll do a little contest here next week. Who has the ugliest sweater or best Christmas? Doing this? Get up. We're, doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. So right. gentlemen, any final thoughts heading into the weekend? Yeah, fuck man, you go Liverpool. <laughs> Let's go, Giants. <laughs> yes, Philly has a tough road game against the Seahawks. I mean, is there any surprise the Bucks are six and seven and leading the NFC South? No, we went no. we went over this last year. We literally had a whole topic <laughs> of this last year that I will pull up for us next week that shows us talking about how the NFC South does not deserve to be in the playoffs, mm. and it's again to deserve it, not deserve. Here we argue. Oh, and uh, one thing is. The Eagles have not beat the Seahawks in 15 games. Holy really? 15, 15 consecutive losses. About due then. Uh, I hope so. Tonight. You better hope that fantasy football record don't get broken. Bro. Yeah. yeah. 46 really. fantasy football points. It can get broken as long as we win. Vikings Raiders, the whole 3 nothing game. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We're looking forward to episode 90. You're going to be excited. Grandpa Jay and I are going to be together. Can't wait for next week. Make sure you tune in. See you next week. Sequel Squad out.